Welcome back to the Successful Diligence Podcast. I wanted to make sure that you were aware of how valuable you are to us and me here at Successful Diligence as a listener of the podcast. It means so much that you allow me to provide value through the podcast and that you listen and you show up and you invest your time. It means the world to me and I so appreciate it. One way that you can show your appreciation for the podcast, if you've gotten any value from anything we've ever said um, in Sode, is you can support us financially so that we can continue to provide the value that you've come to know from the Successful Diligence podcast. And it can be literally less than a cup of coffee a day, 99 cents per month. That's less than a dollar per month, all the way up to five, ten dollars, however much you want to give. But as little as a dollar, less than a dollar, 99 cents, that would make such a difference to us. You can go to the show notes and you can click the link where listener support is highlighted. Um, There's different links in the show notes. Or you can go to anchor.fm backslash successful diligence backslash support and you can sign up there and literally it's one time per month 99 cents less than a cup of coffee and yet you would be having an impact on supporting this podcast to bring more value reach more people to have a greater impact in the world and we appreciate in advance any support that you're able to provide again anchor.fm slash successful diligence slash support or you can click the link in the show notes and show your support financially we appreciate it and we thank you in advance Welcome back to the Successful Diligence Podcast. I am so grateful that you're back for another episode. I never take it for granted that you give me your time and your ear, and my goal is always to provide value. And today, I've got a special guest that I'm so excited to introduce you to. Her name is Jessie Benson, and she is part life coach, part artist, part homesteader, and full-time life enjoyer. After practicing anesthesiology and critical care medicine for nearly a decade, Jessie took the leap of faith in 2014 to leave medicine and build the life of her dreams. She completed life coaching training, obtained certification, she completed yoga teacher and meditation training, teacher training programs, and she discovered art a few years prior to her departure from medicine, and she continued making and selling her paintings, which she creates using a technique that she originated in 2013, which is really, really cool, which we're going to talk about a little bit too, because they're beautiful paintings, and there'll be links in the show notes so you can check them out as well. In addition to meeting with her one-to-one clients weekly, Jessie has led workshops and retreats, and she brings a wealth of practical life experience into her coaching practice and supports others in building a life that they love. Jessie now lives in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia, which are extremely gorgeous, on five and a half acres of just heaven, (laughs) heaven on earth. And Jessie's days are filled with working with her life coach clients, making and selling her beeswax and oil paintings, and homesteading. And I am so excited to bring you to the show, Jessie. Welcome. 
Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here with you. I am so excited to talk with you and introduce you to my uh, listeners and really get to know some critical things that I think that all of us need to implement in life to live a life that we want to get up for on a Monday morning. So to start, why don't you just introduce yourself to my listeners who are not familiar with you and kind of how you started getting into the work that you do? Yes. Well, hello, everyone. I'm Jesse, And how I started getting to the work that I do was to realize that I was really unhappy doing the work I was doing. <laughs> I, I was someone, and maybe you can relate, I chased achievement and approval for decades. I wanted that straight A grade card. I wanted to be teacher's pet. I wanted to be number one. I wanted to be 100%. And that path led me to medicine. And that path led me to doing something that that was beautiful in the way it helped people, but it was not beautiful in the way that it just led to so much stress in my life. And once I realized that I no longer had to follow achievement and approval, then I could have the life I really, really wanted. Wow. I mean, that is such a journey because I can relate to that, you know, achievement cycle and performance-based wanting to please everyone. And that's a, that's a life that really does not lend itself well to happiness and, you know, inner peace <laughs> and wanting to get up on a Monday morning. Um, and I know that to be, you know, to go into medicine, that is a rigorous, you know, academic achievement and journey. And then to completely say goodbye to that. I know that you recognized you were unhappy, that, that awareness is always that first piece, but what was it like to have to say goodbye to something that you invested so much time, energy, and money into? Yes, it's so funny that you say that because that's what people would say, not physicians. Like they would say, oh my goodness, take me with you. <laughs> not, to say every, not to say everyone out there that your doctor is unhappy, but it is, it is a stressful career. And that was, my, that was the, exactly what you say why was why I left because I had already given it enough I wasn't going to stay one more day I'd already given this approval achievement seeking like 30 plus years of my life almost 40 years of my life I left I believe when I was 30 had just turned 39 and so it was like not one more day so it was not hard at all to leave not hard at all Wow. I mean, it still takes a lot of courage, especially when you're midlife, you know, in your, your thirties and you're like, nope, I'm pivoting completely. I mean, and it wasn't just like, oh, let's go into a different type of medicine or let's go into a different, you went like 180. <laughs> I did because I had, I had given up perfectionism in about 2010 and I had discovered art and music because before then I wouldn't try anything at all. If I didn't think I was going to be number one at it, I wouldn't try anything, which meant I tried nothing. I wouldn't try art. I wouldn't try music. I wouldn't try athletics because I was so afraid to fail. And that lifted. Like I did a lot of work and I was able to overcome this idea that my, my value came from what I could accomplish. That was very much the equation that I had. Action equals equals value. Productivity equals value. And once I 
flash that equation sign and made that does not equal, then I could try new things. So I found art, I found music, I started cooking, I started doing all these things. And that's what made it easy because it wasn't that I was leaving medicine, it was that I was going to those things. Like I wouldn't want to work 60 hours a week in the hospital because I didn't want to leave my cello. I didn't want to leave my art studio. I would say goodbye in the morning, like, sorry guys, I'll be back in 12 hours. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, and that's, I love that reframe of I'm not leaving something, I'm going to something. And that makes it, it's a different spin on the adventure, which I, I really, really like. Talk to me about the awareness though, because you know, not everybody, a lot of people live on autopilot, right? And they know they're unhappy, but they just sort of accept that's the way it is. And so, you know, the first part of, of, of pivoting in your life is becoming aware. How do you do that? And what was that like for you? I'm assuming it wasn't just like, you know, you woke up one morning with the light bulb moment, like, ha ha, now, <laughs> now I'm aware. What was that journey like? It was, it was definitely not an overnight. It was little step by little step to break apart that belief that I had about my value and where it came from. And so I read books mostly. I had a few close friends who, who recognized it in me and, and they would, they would say, you know, you don't have to make 99 percentile on the national boards to be okay. And I would say, yes, I do. <laughs> um, so, and a lot of reading, like reading books, reading Eckhart Tolle books. Um, I read a Tara Brock book. Um, and so just reading and hearing other, other people who'd even been in that similar circumstance, their wisdom, and then I learned from it. And then I had to try it. I had to actually try something and see if, if even if I wasn't good at it, was I still okay? And I was. So it took reading and then practicing. I love that because it's, it's about feeding your mind something different and giving yourself something different to marinate on, but also paying attention to how am I responding? Do I like this? Do I not like this? What is, you know, do I agree with this? Do I not agree? And you mentioned it real briefly, but you said, you know, your beliefs and your values and you had to explore those and recognize that maybe they needed to shift a little bit. That is like intense work that takes a lot of courage. And, you know, we talk about it like, oh, you know, in a blase kind of way. But listeners, I want you to recognize that it takes a lot of courage to do that. And so if you're on a baby step of that journey, celebrate yourself because you're on the beginning and you're on the journey. So um, I just I, I honor you for listening to, the, to other people's feedback, to your feedback and to paying attention to your life because it's so important. So important. So good. I was going to say, you're so right about the autopilot because we, are, we have those beliefs and we, we think they're true. Like we don't even realize that other people have other beliefs because they're so, they, we usually like learned them in childhood. And so we carry them and we have no idea that they're not actually true. And so to challenge them little by little. I love that because that's one question I always ask myself and listeners in the last couple episodes, you've heard me say this asking new questions, but asking yourself, is it true? And what is the evidence that it is true? And that sometimes a lot of times breaks that, that wall and allows you to try something new and to entertain different thoughts and beliefs that you may agree with. And, you know, it's a big, big world out there. And a lot of times we're, we're sheltered with, you know, what we were grown up with, like you said, um, and the people around us. But reading, I think you tapped into something. Reading can expose you to just 
a world of different ideas and beliefs and concepts, even if you don't meet new people, you can still have those ideas come into your world um, to marinate on. So I love that. Talk to me about learning how to do new things though, because you know, learning how to play the cello and I'm not a cook and I, everyone who can cook and is creative, I just hats off because I can ruin a recipe quicker than anyone. <laughs> so what was that like about learning new things and challenging yourself in that way? It was amazing. I really felt like, like the floodgates had opened because I had truly kept myself from trying anything. And I, I'm really not being exaggeratory when I say that. Like, even I tried to play tennis, I remember, and I was like a spoil sport. I was so unfun to be with because if the ball didn't go exactly where I wanted, I was just not happy. And so it kept me from ever wanting to try anything. And it felt like, like, I really explain it. Like, I went from being numb to being alive. Like, just the whole world became a playground because I was no longer afraid to fail. And so anything I was interested in, I could try it because there was no harm. I could pick up any instrument and just make sound on it. And there was no expectation that it needed to sound quote good. It all became about play. I love that. It's almost like going back to childhood when we have no fear and we're just trying everything and, and there's no judgment to it. I think that is key as well because part of being critical with ourselves is judging ourselves and we're not good enough. We're not worthy enough. That is something that is very difficult to let go of. Um, do you still have moments where you have to tell that voice to, to be quiet? Mm, not often. In fact, I can't think of the last time that I was hard on myself about not doing something as well as I thought. But it has been 10 years, so I've been practicing it a lot. Early on, I'm sure I would, yes, I remember early on, I'm looking at some of my art supplies. Early on, I would, you know, painting wouldn't look exactly the way I thought, and it would start to be an unfun process. And then I would step back and say, do you want to have fun or not? Because mm. if you want to have fun, you're, this is not the way to go about it. And then I would release it. So it did take a lot of of direct work at the beginning. And then it just became second nature because I started to feel the difference between a life with expectations and a life without. And once I got that positive feedback about how fun it was to explore without expectation, it just fed itself and it reinforced itself. I love that because that highlights the, what I'm always talking about, listeners, as you know, is that you've got to, to develop a new habit, you've got to be intentional and purposeful with it. And it's got to be something that you consciously do. And so you bring it from your unconscious to your conscious, you become aware, you make a decision and a choice, just like Jesse's, yeah, this is it. <laughs> We're not doing this anymore. I'm not happy. And you make a, a step onto your new journey, but then you have to practice those new ways of doing things and those new ways of thinking. And Jesse, I love how you, you made the picture of it. When you feel that positive reinforcement, number one, it reinforces those, those um, neural pathways in your brain, releases that happy hormone serotonin. So you want to do more of it to feel good. And after a while, it just becomes a way of life and a way of who you are after you've practiced it for so long. So I love, love that. I love that. Talk to me about mindfulness. What is it? It's essentially to be aware, um, to be self-aware, but also to be environment aware. It's the exact opposite of the autopilot mode that you speak of. So it's to be aware of everything, to be aware of thoughts, feelings, body sensations, just 
just to be aware and alive. So it's the opposite of something happens and I have a knee-jerk reaction and I maybe even do something unkind. I just like something happens and I'm unkind. It's, it's completely the opposite. So it's something happens and I feel myself having anger or I feel myself having jealousy or I feel myself having fear and then I pause and then I feel what that's like. And so in that pause is the choice of action. And so mindfulness is being aware of what's going on in you and around you, but especially in you. I love that. The power of the pause as well. So once you are actually in touch with and can be aware of what's going on and that's being mindful, the power of the pause, because in that pause is the empowerment of choice. And we can choose to go a different direction. And I love that. I love that. Um, has gratitude played any part of your journey? And if so, how? <laughs> oh, yes. I call <laughs> gratitude like the picture for everything. It cures anything. Like I really do think if, if I'm feeling anything, like these things I just named, like anger or jealousy or fear, if, if I can stop and shift to gratitude, it just evaporates the negative feelings. So absolutely, I am a huge uh, proponent of gratitude in my life and with my clients or with my friends. Yes, gratitude heals. Absolutely. And how do you help your clients to develop a practice of mindfulness and gratitude? Like how, a lot of people talk about it, but they don't always talk about how to do it. And for someone who is numb and they're just beginning to come alive, it's hard to know what to do, how to do. So how do you help your clients develop that practice? The main thing that I do is in the, in the sessions, right there, challenge some of their beliefs mm -hmm. so they can start to break apart those ideas that are keeping them bound, just like I had ideas keeping me bound or and probably still do that I'll continue to grow and work on. So that's where it starts is that awareness of what's keeping us bound. And so they might say something and that to them is like perfectly reasonable. And then I say, well, you know, can maybe the opposite or where do you think that comes from? And, and it's like a cloud list. Like, wow, I never thought about that. that and then I said, where did that first come from? Oh, I think that's my dad's voice. Like, that's where I first heard that or my mom's voice or, um, you know, something on in culture, like society. And so the mindfulness with my clients starts with self-awareness, which starts with belief um, challenges. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's always the, the first step. And I, I'm, I always go back to, cause my thing is ask new questions and really, so what you're doing is you're giving them that mirror and asking them new questions that challenge their beliefs so that they, and then you're sitting in there with the space with them to work through that. Cause sometimes what comes up can be, you know, hurtful, emotional, challenging, what have you. And that's why good coaching <laughs> exists. Not everybody who's a coach now online, but the, the good coaches that can hold the space and walk you through that journey. Um, are there any like specific strategies or tips that you tell them to do on a daily basis to, to develop the practice of being mindful and, and implementing gratitude? Are there like specific things they can do? Well, one thing is one, this is a really cool, um, yes, this is a really cool one. Um, I didn't come up with this. This is out in, in teaching. Um, but whenever we go to say something, pause and think about why are we saying that? Like, what are we trying to accomplish? And it can be very enlightening. Like, I'm trying to seem smart right now. I'm trying <laughs> to seem really cool right now. And uh, like less funny things, like I'm trying to hurt that person's feelings right now. Like, 
So that is just with our speech can be one way because usually as we start to say something, we just, we don't even think about it. We just like, we say it. But if we start to reflect on that, then that can trickle out to other things like then we can, we can think about our actions. Um, so the point is just to not do things, as you said, on autopilot or numb, to really be uh, awake when we're doing things. So that's a fun tip is check in on yourself, even for just like 24 hours or eight hours or an hour. Every time I open my mouth, what am I trying to do here? And very rarely is it ever just to impart information. It's almost always to make the other person think something you want them to think or not think something you don't want them to think. Yeah, so that's a cool habit to try. Yeah, you probably learn a lot about yourself. And again, that's the power of the pause. And when you, when you learn about yourself, because I used to be very mean. I was a very mean person, but I thought I was super nice until I started practicing the pause and like exploring my motives. And I was like, no, I was intentionally trying to make them cry. <laughs> like I was mean. So then I had to like change that because I didn't want that. You know, my value system was like, that's not okay. Stop it. <laughs> you bring up such a beautiful point that we're not going to like everything we learn about ourselves. And that is okay. In fact, that's great. Learn all the things you don't like about yourself so you can change them. Be open to that. Like I'm jealous or I'm, I'm kind of a spiteful person. Like whatever it is for you, be open to it because with that knowledge, it's the power to change it. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's where the empowerment comes from. Knowledge is one thing, but wisdom is the correct application of knowledge, which is where the power comes from. And I, I keep going back to the power of the pause. I love that. If you just stop in the moment, just stop for a minute, even if you're in your car, like if you, well, we're COVID now, but you know, if you're, if you are still going to work in your car, turn the radio off and just pause for a moment and notice your thoughts. I mean, that's right there can give you a clue as to what's going on inside in your motives. I love that. So when you discovered your art and the cooking and the music and all of those things that really bring, I think, just the texture to life, you know, the arts is something that is critical to our emotional and mental health, I think. Um, so when you discovered that, talk to me about that journey of discovering it and then going just like full on into it. Yes. So once I was not afraid to try, I bought some supplies just different. I went to the, the local art supply and bought different things. And I was really just going by, by what I was attracted to. I was allowing myself, oh, I think I'd like to buy some charcoal. Oh, I, oh, I think I'd like to buy some colored ink. I'd like to buy some acrylic. And, and so no judgment, just like you said, play, like childhood. And I, I started experimenting with with everything and and I didn't try to take lessons. I wasn't like there wasn't a right way to do this. I just wanted to make things that I liked the way they looked and I liked the way they felt to make them. And so after, I don't know, maybe a year of trying several different kinds of art, I was at an art show and a woman had beeswax paintings, encaustic is the proper name. And I didn't know what it was, but I was so drawn to the surface. And I said, what is this? And she told me beeswax. And so I, I bought it and then I started making it. And I explored all the known techniques I could find in these two books, but none of them looked like I wanted because what I wanted was really fine detail. And so I came up with my own technique, but I didn't try to. It hit me one day in 2013. I, I just hit a flash. I said, it came to me like, what if you carve into the surface of the wax after you layered on the board and then oil paint it? And I, I went straight to my art studio, like in my home, and did it. And I sat in front of that first piece. I still have it. It's called Love Tree. And I knew in that moment I had found what I was going to make. And I still make it, you know, what is this, seven years later. And this is what I make. Wow. 
That is so cool because that to me is a picture of the journey to trust yourself. You allowed yourself and gave yourself permission to just play, no judgment, whatever you liked, you were going to just try it. You gave yourself the permission to do that. And then as you got positively reinforced and you started to have fun and enjoy it, you started to trust yourself and then you could explore even more so that you could develop an entirely new art technique that is so incredibly beautiful. I, that is so cool to me. Thank you. Yes, I, I listened. Like The inspiration called and I listened. I didn't judge it and say, what, what if that doesn't work? Things I would have used to have done. What if that doesn't work? What if it's ugly? What if it's a waste? And I just, it said, let's try this. And I said, okay. <laughs> is that simple? <laughs> I love that. You listened to the call and then you answered and you paid attention to it. Oh, I just love that. I love that. All right. I want to shift a little bit. Um, talk to, and because I don't know anything. I, listeners, I don't know where you are in the world, but I don't know if you're aware of it. What is homesteading? <laughs> homesteading. Okay. So homesteading is the idea or the intention to try to do as much for yourself as you can, whatever that means for you. And so for me, that meant um, building, helping build designing and helping build my own house, which is just now finished. It was a four year journey. And by helping, I mean, like I did the, the, the plan for the house. I met with the building inspector to get it approved. I planned all the boards, did the framing. Like I had to learn building code. These are things I knew nothing about, like nothing. Wow. Was, yeah. So that, that's a major part of my homesteading and that just finished. And then I try to grow as much of my own food as I can. So I have 12 uh, vegetable beds, 50 square feet each. And so I grow potatoes and basil and tomatoes and just all sorts of fun stuff to cook with. And I also bake my own bread, make my own homemade pizza. So I, I think of myself as a hybrid homesteader because I do still order things from Amazon. I still do, you know, go to the grocery store and, and buy things like coconut oil that I can't make myself. But I try to do as much for myself as I can because it's fun. It just feels good to provide for myself. And I, I bet there's a level of like pride. Like I did this, like this is cool. Oh gosh, yes. There, the, my favorite feeling in life is I am capable. And when I do something hard, like shovel the, the, a whole truck bed full of gravel onto the driveway, one shovel at a time, I'm like, yes, I can do things. And it feels really good. It, homesteading has taught me, especially finishing this house. My cousin is a builder, so he led the whole thing, but I, you know, did his neighbor. Um, and I mean, there were times I was staining boards for the siding, and I thought, it was like, so many boards, the whole outside of the house. And I would think, I would feel overwhelmed. I would think, I can't do this. Like, I cannot stain all these boards. How much? And I did. And every time I, every time I did something I didn't think I could do, I, I just felt stronger. And so homesteading taught me resilience. That is so cool. That is, it reminds me of that one of my favorite movies, Under the Tuscan Sun, where she's like, gone through this traumatic divorce and she's a writer so she moves to Tuscan Tuscany Italy and she builds this house from scratch and she knows nothing about building nothing about housing it's like you're you're doing that here in the United States <laughs> yeah. and that is yeah. so cool because it shows you skills that you didn't know you had it sort of like reintroduces you to yourself and allows you to like yourself and love yourself and trust yourself on a completely different level which is so empowering that is so cool Yes, you're so right. That idea of trusting yourself is, I, I, 
I don't feel as dependent. You know, some things I still am. You know, I'm not an electrician, so if something breaks, I need someone to come and fix it. But, but I have so many skills that I didn't know I could develop, and yet I trust myself to take care of myself. That is so cool. That is so neat. So tell me, like, one or two things that you really want to highlight for the audience to really walk away from this conversation with. One, oh, yes, I love this one. Okay, so one is absolutely expect to love your life. Mm. So many people, they, they don't think that it's even possible to love their life. Like they don't have that, that standard, that bar. It's, they're just kind of like getting by and, and that's okay. But that it is absolutely possible to love what you do, where you do it, who you do it with. So, so start building it. Like it is possible. No matter where you are, no matter what your life is like, it is absolutely possible to make it better, to feel healthier, to, to feel better in your life. So that is one. The goal can be really high and it's absolutely possible. Okay, what would be another one? Um, have fun. Like have fun. Whatever. I'm like, like you said in the beginning, my bio, part, like full-time life enjoyer, it is true. It is so rare that I do something that I'm just like, this is no fun. Even if it's something like doing my taxes or doing the dishes, I still try to have fun and, and make it a, an enjoyable experience. And so have fun. Yeah. Yeah, I think we forget that life can be fun. You know, when you're numb and on autopilot, you do forget that life can be fun and you're supposed to enjoy every day, not every moment, but you can enjoy every day. I love that. So now as we're coming to a close, talk to me about the work that you do, um, your clients, your workshops, um, up and coming things. Talk to me about what, what, what is in the life of Jesse Benson in the sort of now your work world. <laughs> yes. So my life coach practice is, is mostly one-to-one, -one. so I meet weekly for about 30 minutes um, with my clients, mostly women, although I do have some men in my practice, but mostly women, and the biggest, coolest thing that I'm so excited about is a year-long coaching program for women that I have designed that's going to be, I'm enrolling now and it's starting this fall, and it's called Brave is Beautiful Circle. Mm. And it is for women to help them find their brave. And I'm getting chills thinking about it. Like, I am so excited about it. And so it's based on 10 habits of the brave woman that I have designed after thinking about my life and what did it take to build a life I really love and to break free from fear of failure and perfectionism. And so the whole program is based on guiding women as they practice and develop mastery of these 10 habits. And a few of them are like a brave mind, a brave woman takes care of her mind, a brave body, a brave woman takes care of her body, brave boundaries, a brave woman says no when she wants to. And there are several others. Um, but I'm just lit up about it. I cannot wait for it to start. Yeah. Those are like foundational principles that when you can get mastery in those, I mean, the world is your oyster. Life is limitless and you are empowered to really enjoy your life, but really get out of life every ounce that you want to. I love that. And I love the name. I love the name of that program. And um, I'll put links down in the show notes, but if people want to sign up, for the Brave is Beautiful Circle or they want to sign up for coaching with you or they want to learn more about your art because listeners, it's beautiful. Like you really need to check it out. <laughs> um, where can they find you? What, you know, how can they get in touch with you? 
they can go on my coaching website, my name, jessiebenson.com, and book a clarity call. It's like three 30-minute get-to-know-each-other. And, and if they want to learn more about Brave is Beautiful Circle, they can go to that. And you have to have the www in front of it. So www.braveisbeautifulcircle.com. And that is a very lengthy page that tells about my philosophy in the program, all the super cool ways I support women throughout the year. So that would be kind of about that. And then my art, jessiebensonfineart.com. Perfect. And I'll put all the links in the show notes to listeners. You can click and go, click and go. You don't have to worry about it. Jesse, I am so grateful that you were able to come on and we were able to coordinate to um, have you share with my audience. This has been so really impactful, I think, in a way that just even bringing that awareness of you don't have to be numb in life. You can be alive and enjoy your life, no matter how old you are, no matter what season of life you are, no matter how many years you've invested in whatever journey, you can pivot. And the last part of your life can be better and all that you want it to be from wherever you're coming from. I absolutely love that. And I love the message and the work that you're doing. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Michelle. And listeners, as I always say, keep walking, always, always keep walking, because if you continue to walk one step at a time, one choice at a time, you will reach your destination and you will reach your destiny. And on the journey, always, always choose gratitude.